Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it is Friday, November 4th. I'm Carol Gold, and welcome to Think for Yourself. First, my apologies for not being here earlier in the week. I wasn't well. I had a back injury. Uh, doing better now, and here I am. So let's pick up with what I think is of importance to everyone because we have an election next Tuesday. And we're being told all kinds of things about the importance of this election. I want to focus on one or two of them for a specific reason. And I want to start with crime. And the reason I'm starting with crime is to share with you a personal story from years ago when I began to practice law. During my first year of practicing on my own, there was a newly appointed judge in the county in which I practiced, and she was appointed as a family court judge. She had no family court experience, no family case law experience, but she was very politically connected and, in fact, familial connected. Um, I believe it was her father who had been either a judge before her or who had been a big political player in the county. And I also think that her cousin, I believe, was at the time president judge. In one of the first months, first few months of her presiding over family court, she had in front of her a man who had threatened his then girlfriend and the girlfriend had filed for a protection from abuse order. And so he was brought in and it was the hearing on the protection from abuse order. And leading up to the hearing itself, he kept talking about how when he got out, he was going to kill her. And he was very brazen about it. And he even said so in front of the judge when in the actual hearing. The judge issued the protection from abuse order, let him leave the courthouse because all a protection from abuse order does is prevent the defendant from coming within a certain amount of feet or distance from the plaintiff and from in any way harassing her. But the enforcement of protection from abuse orders is notoriously inadequate. In this case, he left the courthouse, drove to the nearby town where his girlfriend lived, and on a public street, where while she was walking down the street, shot and killed her. It was within hours of him having been released from the courthouse. It was very hushed-hushed in the county in which I practiced, meaning among my peers, among my colleagues, everyone was talking about, oh my gosh, the terrible mistake that the, this new judge had made. But nothing was ever done about it. She wasn't sanctioned in any way. It was just sort of covered up and rolled over and everyone moved on. I share that story because on November, I'm sorry, on October 5th in New York State, the state in which Kathy Hulchel is the governor, 
Remember, Cuomo had to step down for scandal, and Holchel was his lieutenant governor, and she became governor as a result, but now she's running against Lee Zeldin in the state of New York, and that race is neck and neck at the moment. Hochul's hometown is in western New York. It's Buffalo, New York. And on October 5th in Buffalo, New York, a 30-year-old woman and wife, Kiara Benefield, who was a mom of three, was taking her three children, ages six months to, I think, nine years, she was taking them to school. She was wearing a bulletproof vest while doing so because her estranged husband just a few days before had beaten her unmercifully in her home. He had come to the home and he had beaten her and she had security cameras. And so the security cameras had videotaped the beating. It was horrific to watch. She posted it to her Facebook page because she was terrified and seeking help. She was seeking help any way she could get it. So that morning, she wore a bulletproof vest to drop her children off at school. Again, because she was going to leave him and she was terrified he was going to kill her. His response was, in fact, to do just that. And so, on the morning she was taking them to school, he attacked her and execution-style killed her in front of her children. He was out on the street because following the beating, he was brought into court, he was hit with misdemeanor charges, and released on a protection from abuse order exactly the same legal document and prohibition that years ago the man had been released on who killed the woman in Pennsylvania where I was practicing at the time. What happened years ago conceivably could be written off to the, let's call it either the inexperience to be kind or the gross negligence to be less than kind of the judge who oversaw that hearing. But what happened on October 5th in Buffalo, New York, can't be written off so easily. Because the reason the husband was out on the street after the beating was the no-cash-bail law that has been implemented in New York State and which Kathy Hochul and the Democrats of New York refuse to repeal. Now, we have an election next week, and New York is not the only state that has no cash bail laws. There are others. There are others that either have passed them already or some that are in the process of implementing them. California was the first, I believe in 2017 or 18, to have passed no cash bail laws. Illinois, Nebraska, Indiana, New York, Pennsylvania, they have all either passed them or in the process of passing them. No cash bail laws allow criminals to be picked up, to be charged, and to immediately be let back out on the street. And we hear stories every day of criminals who have been arrested, been let go, and immediately or shortly thereafter committed a crime equal to or more heinous than the one they were picked up for. In this election next week, Crime is a huge issue nationally for voters. But we should not be surprised at the amount of crime that we're experiencing. 
Look, following the just incompetent and shameful withdrawal from Afghanistan, we brought in hundreds of thousands of unvetted Afghan immigrants, unvetted, from a country where terrorism is the norm. We have an open border where fundamentally unvetted people come across every day, millions and millions of them in the last two years under this administration. The people coming across that border, not to mention the ones coming across who aren't apprehended, include foreign terrorists, terrorists on U.S. watch lists, It includes people from many countries that have begun emptying their prisons and sending them to our border. So we shouldn't be surprised at the amount of crime. And then, of course, it includes no cash bail laws that allow criminals back out onto the street, even before they have their day in court, so to speak, on what they've been charged with. The president spoke to the nation a few days ago. And in his speech, if I set aside all of the just name-calling and disparagement of everyone who isn't in his political party, if I set all that aside, he basically said this election is about two things. It's about abortion, and it's about saving the democracy. So let me talk a minute about abortion. Abortion is one of those topics that when you talk about it intellectually, or philosophically, it just doesn't seem so bad. And so you understand why there are people on both sides of the issue. But this week, NPR, a politically left and government subsidized station, broadcast an abortion, broadcast on radio an abortion. You listened to the entire abortion beginning to end from when she comes into the clinic until the abortion is over. The voiceover talks about the wonderful conditions that they try to create for not only the process, but for the mother, I guess they would call her the patient as well. So they have soft music and they have someone hold her hand and it's kind of, they make it sound kind of like a spa. However, when you listen to the entire broadcast, It's horrific. You hear the sound of the vacuum pulling the fetus out of the womb, out of the uterus. You hear the woman crying and the distress. It's absolutely horrific. It's also sick, in my opinion, although when I say sick, NPR broadcast it as a way to kind of moderate what people think about abortion. And it makes me wonder What's wrong with those people? Do they even think for themselves? Because you can't listen to that and be anything other than horrified and sickened. So again, when the president says this election is about abortion and a woman's right, I think he's 50% correct. It's definitely about abortion. And if you're not certain, please find the article and on YouTube, listen to the abortion. Listen to what it's like and tell me that this is something that you think is only about taking away a woman's right to choose, irrespective of anything else. You know, I have a very good friend, a lifelong friend, who had an abortion. I didn't know she had an abortion 
I happened to call her one night. I was living in Wilmington, Delaware in law school at the time. She was living in Philadelphia. And I called her and she said she wasn't feeling well and she sounded really awful. And I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a drive up. So I drove up to Philly and I met her at her apartment. And when she opened the door, actually, no, in hindsight, I now remember she had unlocked her apartment door. I was able to just walk in and she was in bed. And when I entered the bedroom, her color, her facial, her skin color was almost gray. And she looked incredibly sad. And she shared with me that she had just had an abortion. She was single at the time. And it happened to be that the father was a co-worker and she did not tell him she had the abortion. She was in her 20s at the time. And I remember to this day how sick and depressed, how sick she looked, how depressed she looked and how depressed she was. Well, we are now decades later and she is past childbearing age, never married and she never had a child, but she loves children. And I think one of the greatest regrets of her life is that abortion. It's just a personal story I share because it's as close as I've ever come to abortion, but I saw the physical and the emotional effect that it had on someone. And I also got to see the long lasting effect that it had as well, based on how her life played out and what she could not have known in her twenties. So the president says it's about abortion and it's about our democracy. Well, I don't think it's about our democracy. And in a recent podcast, I spoke at length as to why we're not even a democracy. We're a constitutional republic. But I'm not going there now. Now I just want to say this election is not about our democracy. It is about our quality of life. It is about surviving crime that is rampant nationally. It's about surviving physical harm. It's about surviving financially. It's about being able to go to the store or the gas station or the pharmacy and not have to choose between which one you're going to do this week because you're living paycheck to paycheck. Or even if you're not living paycheck to paycheck, you are feeling the impact of what's happened to the economy what inflation is doing to your quality of life, what it's doing to your bank account. It's about surviving culturally. In Pennsylvania, in 2017, the state spent $48,000 on gender reassignment surgeries. In 2021, the state of Pennsylvania spent $4 million on gender reassignment surgeries. So in four years, they went from $48,000 to $4 million. And that was, two, that was almost two years ago now. So it's about surviving culturally. It's about surviving as a nation, which you cannot do without a border. No nation survives without a secure border. No nation survives that pits its citizens against one another because of their political affiliation, who pits its citizens against one another because of their color, who pits citizens against one another because of their opinions on climate. Yesterday, I went to see Governor Abbott speak live here in Texas. 
It was early in the morning and quite a crowd had showed up at 9 a.m. And I happened to be in line and I heard a woman behind me say that her husband had gone to vote and when he did, he was told that he had already voted, which he had not. He contested it, and from what I could tell from the rest of her conversation, because I was only overhearing it because we were outside and in line and you couldn't help but hear, that he was able to sort of right the wrong, but he was firm about standing for the fact that he had not voted and producing evidence of who he was, proof of his identity, and obviously reaching out to whoever was in charge at the poll. Voting in this country is still a right, and it's definitely a privilege. We all need to take it seriously. So next week, think for yourself when you go to the polls. And if you go and you see an irregularity, or you even sense an irregularity, or you're told that you've already voted when you haven't, then contest it on site. Report it to a deputized election inspector. Report it to your secretary of state. Report it to a private election fraud organization in your state if one exists. Because in closing, I want to be optimistic. I am. I tell you all the time, I'm an optimistic catastrophist. I believe in the best of humanity but I'm also able to always see the worst of every situation. And I want to be optimistic about our future, but I'm deeply, deeply concerned. I'm concerned when a governor like Hochul in New York or others like her will not seek to repeal no-cash bail laws that are letting criminals back on the street on the very day when they're picked up. I'm deeply concerned when I see U.S. citizens like those who live in the state of Pennsylvania, where a U.S. Senate race is so close at the moment, it looks like it's neck and neck between Dr. Oz and John Fetterman, where one candidate, Mr. Fetterman, is mentally, auditorily, and verbally impaired from a stroke. And those citizens of Pennsylvania may elect him next Tuesday to one of a hundred select seats, in the United States Senate. And his entire physical condition is without mentioning his support of legalizing drugs, of no cash bail, of no fracking, in the very state where his state's economy and the people he will represent who may elect him is and are heavily reliant on that very process of fracking. And where he, John Fetterman, held a black jogger at gunpoint with a gun to the jogger's chest simply because the black man was jogging in Fetterman's white neighborhood. It's kind of like being stopped for driving black is what Fetterman did to this young man. This is the man that Pennsylvanians may elect. And if they do, then my optimistic catastrophist balance may shift Unfortunately, more toward the catastrophic perspective. This election is not about democracy. It's about thinking for yourself, no matter what corrupt media and politicians tell you. Do a little of your own homework. And if you can't, trust your intuition. As a longtime friend used to say, 
Trust your gut. And if all else fails, use your common sense. But above all, and beyond all, not only next Tuesday when you walk into those polls, but every single day now in the world that we're living in, think for yourself. Thanks for listening. I'm Carol Gold. I'll be back here again next week. And until I am, by all means, think for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's Carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.